If there's one thing this whole situation is providing us with, it's time. You know, for many of us, we've got so much time on our hands now to be with ourselves, to be with our loved ones, to be in our homes. And that can feel a little strange when you step down from the hustle and bustle of ordinary life and you begin to realize what that was providing you I suppose for some people that will be a sense of purpose for some people it will be an escape Um, and for some people you know maybe the downtime is a relief because they were doing things that they didn't want to do but I want to also acknowledge the people out there that don't want to be at home that maybe uh, are in an uncomfortable environment and are really struggling right now and I want to let you know that I see you um, I feel you I've been in those situations before in my past um, and I know that it is incredibly incredibly difficult you know there's a lot of posts out there at the moment um, about people taking time out to reflect and that's certainly for me but there's there's people out there that don't have the luxury of being able to do that you know people who are cooped up in small homes with lots of children which must be incredibly incredibly testing um, or people who are shut away with um, maybe partners that they don't ordinarily get on with very well and they're really having to face the um, the nature of that relationship head-on it must be incredibly difficult for those people so um, yeah I think It's been great to see online so many people doing so many things with such kindness um, and the level of um, mood that is trying to be created online, you know, with with memes and funny videos and all this kind of stuff. And I think it's been nice for me to really see some of the best sides of humanity. Um, I've really sort of had my heart warmed by some of those displays of kindness, uh, creativity, um, we did the clap here last week for NHS workers and that was just such a, a moving moment, you know, that the whole nation stood on its doorstep seemingly um, applauding uh, NHS staff for the work that they are putting in to keeping people safe and and leading them to recovery um, in most cases, hopefully. It's also worth recognising the people that we didn't clap for, you know, the shop workers who are putting their lives at risk by standing in front of people, handling food that other people have handled, uh, the delivery drivers that are keeping food circulating, the, um, you know, bin collectors that are keeping the streets hygienic, um, the shelf stackers in the supermarkets, you know, there's all these people... Yeah, it feels like, you know, there's a lot of people that we we need to applaud right now. And isn't it interesting, I was saying to um, some friends the other night via video, of course, <laughs> um, isn't it interesting that in a time of crisis, we really do get to see who the... Um, who keeps the economy going, who keeps the country running, uh, not the economy um, necessarily, but who keeps us kind of fed, who keeps us clean who keeps our homes lit you know it's sort of it's all those things that really sort of matter you know when you boil it down um maybe we're starting to see uh some of the things that we don't need so much um but i accept you know that's that's 
from my position of being able to work from home I don't have children it's a peaceful house I've got a garden that I can access uh, which I've been doing um, and sort of getting my hands into the earth which for me has been a really sort of good way to ground myself um, so yeah so um, I recognize my privilege in that position I recognize that you know I'm not um, sort of shut away with somebody that I don't want to be shut away with um, I'm not uh, cooped up in a in a accommodation that uh, isn't satisfactory so you know um, we're all in different situations and I think it's just important to recognize that isn't it uh, I've been on some of my evening walks and been sort of walking down the streets and seeing neighbors sort of stood out their back gardens just talking to one another at distance it feels like we're sort of connecting more which is strange you know a sense of community feels like it's arising certainly where I am um, we've got a shared purpose in uh, keeping ourselves safe and a lot of the language around sort of defeating this virus um, you know sort of quite quite strong language but isn't it amazing when we all come together how you know these displays of community of compassion of kindness and uh, you know, I'm part of a Facebook group for my local community and people just really sort of falling over themselves to help and you know recently uh, the launch of uh, the campaign to recruit volunteers for the NHS to support vulnerable people you know apparently the original target was quarter of a million and, and they got I think over 750,000 people have currently signed up so it's easy I think in a world where we see so much fear and so much hatred and so much war it's easy to overlook the fact that you know there is really really good stuff going on out there um, of course there are people suffering there, there will always be that um, you know at least for the foreseeable future but I do think it's important in in moments of um, crisis like this that we perhaps don't spiral into uh, negative thought loops and remind ourselves that there are good people doing good things um, and that we can be good people and we can do good things. So I'm going to try and check in with this podcast uh, every few days if I can. I can't guarantee what the content will be but a few people sort of fed back to me and said that the last one was uh, in grounding in some way they've had some nice compliments saying that I've got a calming voice so that was nice to hear so even if you know these podcasts just wind away um, perhaps you know a few minutes for you to just sit back relax and, and hear someone take the strain of dialogue for a time then you know I hope that can be a benefit to you um I'm becoming more comfortable in sharing some of my personal opinions on things. Uh, you know, as a therapist, uh, one of the things that we have to be mindful of is uh, is bringing too much of our stuff to the fore. Um, because part of therapy is about creating a space where you, your clients don't have to worry about you and they don't necessarily know a lot about you, which creates the sort of blank canvas upon which they can paint their projections and stuff and I'm, I'm all down for that um, and I'm very much um, committed to that when it comes to holding space and at the same time this this crisis has has really sort of put me back in touch with with the the ultimate truth that we are all equal um, and we all have an experience um, 
and actually it's important that we share our stories it's it's important that we share our perspectives on the world um, about what's going on um, and I think it's important that that is heard with compassion and genuine curiosity by the people around us rather than um, trying to take somebody down because they don't agree um, because they don't agree with you you know, or they have a different opinion to you the reality is that we all have a very different opinion about the world and how it how it runs and what comes next and you know those opinions are informed by so many different things you know the family that we grew up in our dna uh, the environment that we grew up in the part of the country the part of the world the culture you know all that kind of stuff really does inform who we are and and our opinions but I am becoming more comfortable sharing sharing my truth because uh, you know I recognize that um I have a voice and uh, it's good to share your truth right so so with that in mind I did a blog this morning and it was about about where we find ourselves really I guess and it's probably one of the first blogs that I've done in a long time and, and perhaps certainly since I've been a therapist that is, has spoken out um, about some things that I'm really passionate about, which is where where power rests in a civilised society, uh, how power can be abused, uh, the a sense of community and what community is, uh, some environmental issues as well. I'm very, very passionate about that. Um, and who's responsible for kind of, you know, changing things and, and shifting things. Because I think I think what I'm witnessing is something that I've felt for a long, long time. You know, four, four years ago now, I travelled around the world and ended up in South America, which was where I drank ayahuasca. Now, ayahuasca is one of the world's most uh, powerful psychedelics and is known um, as Mother Ayahuasca in the psychedelic community and is often associated with guiding people to their truth and giving them a sense of um, kind of like what's what. So Im imagine kind of a benevolent mother but very assertive sort of taking you on a journey about this is what's going down, this is about you, this is about your environment and this is what needs to happen and I came out of that experience feeling deeply connected to earth um, I converted immediately to be vegetarian because I felt that other animals are the same as us they are sentient beings they have feelings uh, they have emotions they have families so you know, how can you ethically end the life of something that doesn't want to die was the question that sort of continually came up for me and it really kind of like shifted my relationship with uh, others with myself and with with mother earth and I I would if you want to call it a cheesy in a cheesy way I would call it an awakening um, it definitely was that for me to kind of look around and see that there are power structures that operate and they don't necessarily operate in the interests of the many um, they do focus on the select and narrow interests of um, a very select few and I, I'm very mindful as I, as I said that that it might sound like a political slogan it's just fact you know the, there are 
eight billionaires in the world that own as much wealth as the poorest three and a half billion people in the world. So eight individual people, not 80, eight people have as much wealth as the poorest half of the planet basically put together. And you have to kind of look at that and think, okay, so whilst we've got, you know, a global climate crisis, whilst we've got, um, you know, people who can't access clean water, and yet eight people own half the planet's wealth, it's sort of something doesn't make sense. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that there are a... Um, a bunch of people sat around a table doing the uh, Doctor Evil, you know, sort of stroking their chins and thinking, how can they, they bring the world to its knees? I genuinely don't. I think I think the people that find themselves in those powerful positions are often very traumatised people who have their own trauma histories. You know, we only have to look um, at Donald Trump as an example of that. You know, he had a very abusive father, so for him... The world is an incredibly scary place and people need to be controlled and you know outsiders are a threat and you know, his language is very um, aggressive and that's in a response to a deep fear that he has about the world. Now that's not to excuse his behaviour. We're all accountable for, for the way that we behave. Um, but it does perhaps explain it. Um, and he's not the only traumatised leader. Uh, there's a fantastic interview between Russell Brand and Gabor Mate, um, and he talks about traumatised leaders running a traumatised world, and I've sort of quoted that um, in the past. So, yeah, I, I'm i very passionate about um, social justice, and I'm very passionate about people kind of, um, I suppose, waking up to what's going on for them personally that's what I do in in the therapeutic space is about hey how are you doing how how's things for you and let's talk about you and let's talk about your history and let's talk about you know your trauma um, and let's feel some of that stuff like let's help you feel some of that stuff so that you can kind of uh, unburden yourself from that personal trauma and hopefully have a more wholesome life and at the same time, I'm always keen to explore the environment within which that individual finds themselves, be that the immediate environment, i.e. their home, like I was talking about earlier. You know, some people live in very difficult home environments. But then sort of uh, broadening that out to their local environment, what's their community like? Do, are they part of a... Um, a particular community that has certain values that have been imposed upon them that may be incongruent with the person that they are and then taking that a level above that you know what country are they in what systems of power what's the what is the economic setup there what does it dictate um, as as being necessary so for example in the UK you know, we operate with capitalism and capitalism says, you know, growth on uh, growth year on year is how we define our success. But you know, we live on a planet with finite resources and yet we're being told that we've got to consume more and more each year, more than we did the previous year. So how can that be? How can that work? So I'm always very keen to uh, to kind of talk to people about 
the environment in which they find themselves and what interjects they have taken on because you know we only have to look at marketing as a prime example all marketing at its root says uh, you're not enough unless you have this product you know it's sort of the oldest trick in the book really is that you make someone feel insecure and tap into their insecurities and then you offer them a product that can help them with that insecurity that you just created for them you know it's it's sort of it, it's hmm, what's the word it staggers me that it's legal you know because it's a form of manipulation but ultimately it's become accepted that you know that's the way that we have to sort of keep people putting their hands in their pockets um, I'm just going to take a drink of water hold on lots of talking <laughs> um, so yeah so we have to well we don't have to do anything but it might be it might be useful for us to start looking at our environment a little bit more because we've been told for so long now that uh, don't earn enough money, well, go and get a better job. You know, Don't live in an area that you like, well, work harder and you can afford to move. Um, find yourself living with anxiety or depression, well, you know, what's wrong with you? How can we fix you? How can we medicate you? Uh, what therapies do you need? And actually, I just... You know, I think there is such a thing as individual suffering. I do believe that firmly, and and I wouldn't be in the the sort of profession that I'm in if I didn't. But I also believe in collective suffering, and I believe that um, you know when we see the world around us being farmed for profit, I think on some level deep down we feel that you know when we see deforestation to make way for um uh, soy farms or avocado trees you know these things that we we sort of we want so much when we see that deforestation we're effectively witnessing our lungs being clippered right you know because because the forests are are what create the oxygen that we breathe so how can we not when we see scenes like we did last year in Australia and the forest fires how can we not feel like some sense of deep pain um so yeah I'm I'm passionate about all those things and I feel a little bit more confident maybe is not the right word but I feel a little bit more called I suppose to speak to speak that truth and share it with you um if nothing else to provide a sense of hope because you know everything i've said so far does feel um like it could be quite challenging emotionally for us but i say it from a place of compassion because i genuinely think from the bottom of my heart that we have an opportunity as a humanity at this point in our existence to do something different we have an opportunity to to decide collectively that the systems that got us into this mess no longer serve us and we want something different now it's really interesting to see at the moment the political climate is one of um power desperately trying to maintain its position 
you know, the government in this country, in the UK, are handing out billions of pounds to to individuals and to businesses, and they're saying, look, we're going to get through this. Um, and, And trust us, we're here for you, we're looking out for you. And... And I just, I just don't buy that. Um, you know, I read an article the other day that said that uh, local councils have been told that within the next few days, all rough sleepers have got to be housed uh, to prevent you know further spread of the virus. So it was there. That was that was something that was able to be done all along. It just needed, you know, either raising taxes or more borrowing to do it. Um, so why didn't it happen? You know, why didn't that take place? Why was there not the 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 wave of compassion that seems to be coming from government at the moment? Why? Where was that? You know, for the last goodness knows how many years. Um, and I suppose that speaks to a point that you know when it affects the majority of people that's when people start to sit up and ask questions. But these smaller groups of people, you know, the homeless, the disabled, the LGBT plus community, uh, you know, the the low earners, you know, those people can be sidelined. They can be um, pointed at and name called and... Um, you know, certainly like low income workers have been have been called, you know, lazy and people in receipt of benefits have been um called scroungers, you know, all that language and yeah, it saddens me that it's taken a global crisis for for our government um to reach out and kind of support people. So it'll be interesting to see how and where we go from here. I don't wish to get too um, too into that particular niche political argument. But what I will do um, for the rest of this blog is read to you, uh, rest of this blog, <laughs> from the rest of this podcast, is read you my blog. So I'm going to read what I wrote this morning um, and released on my website. And if you want to go and read it and read it with me, you can press pause, head to mebeingadam.com. Uh, click on podcast in the menu um, and then it will take you through to um, the podcast which is what you're listening to so that's not going to be where you find it Um, but there's a blog section on there as well Um, and the blog is called now is the time so if you want to read with me then press pause get your phone out if you're on your phone already navigate to the blog Um, otherwise just sit back and listen and I hope I hope that my words will give you something to ponder in your days at home. Um, And as always, I'm really happy to have a conversation with any of you about the words that uh, I express in here. So if you'd like to either comment or if you'd like to have a conversation with me on the podcast, um, then maybe maybe we could start a national conversation. I've got all of the equipment. All you need is your phone. Um, and an internet connection or your computer and an internet connection so let's let's see if we can start up a conversation if anyone's interested then let me know but for now I'll read you my blog and um, I might say some words at the end now is the time thousands of years ago humans could navigate seas by using the stars 
the formation of the waves and the birds they witnessed on their journey. They were in tune with their world at a deep, intuitive level. Elders were viewed as wise and given the utmost respect. Tribal rituals showed gratitude to Mother Earth and celebrated her. Our ancestors knew how to engage with their environment. They shared the wisdom that Mother Earth was their life support machine and that her preservation was necessary for their survival. It must have seemed so obvious to them that the trees were an extension of their own lungs and that being part of a small community was paramount if they wanted to experience a deep sense of purpose and belonging. Today, however, facts about the climate crisis are put forward by scientists in complex models and endless statistics, only to be, de only to be denied or ignored by politicians. Among many things, our ancestors knew intuitively that trees produced something they needed to survive. They trusted nature, rather than thinking they were better than it. It seems bizarre, then, that this is now a topic for debate. Perhaps statistics and models create a safe enough distance from the reality so as not to trigger us into despair. In the same way that we rarely get to see the suffering of animals in the production of meat, where our waste goes, or how energy is produced. Maybe we would be too traumatised if we were faced with the truth behind these things. And yet... I think we do know, or at least we have a sense. The system, however, has conditioned us to be skilled deniers. It does not serve the interests of the current capitalist machines and the super wealthy few at the top of them for workers and citizens to engage deeply, or worse, fully understand the environmental impact of our economic models. I think we knew this moment in our history was coming, we seem to have forgotten, at least consciously, that we are nature. We don't spend time in nature. We are it. That feeling you can't put your finger on, the resting anxiety, the gentle depression you feel in quiet moments. Perhaps this is your deepest intuitive self, yearning for healing. Buried deep beneath those layers, its voice can be heard saying, You are nature. Heal your environment and you will heal yourself. And so, with a shared grief for what we have lost, and as Mother Earth groans with pain at the wounds we inflict upon her, world leaders stand at podiums telling us they will do all it takes to look after us. They will do this, they say, by seeking to sustain the very economic models that have led us to this point of crisis. Gaslighting entire populations has become the new norm. Transfixed by their grasping for increased power and using each new crisis to exert more control, they deny the rights of millions of people to begin collective healing. We are witnessing traumatised leaders ruling a traumatised world. No wonder so many of us feel confused and doubt our experience of reality. If you were to allow yourself to fully embody the realisation that the economic models we are told keep us safe are actually systematically destroying the very thing that keeps us alive, perhaps it would be too much to bear. Perhaps it would strike a panic at the heart of humanity that would overwhelm us. And yet, aren't we feeling this panic already? Our interconnectedness as a species has been highlighted by the rapid spread of this virus. As many more of us become more conscious to the pain we are inflicting upon ourselves, we first feel powerless. For us, this is a form of torture, the psychological and physiological effects of which are being felt by millions of us across the world. Our interconnected nature means that these feelings are spreading like a virus too. 
we all have the capacity to wake up to this. Not one of us is separate from nature. We all have that deep yearning to be reconnected with our essence, with love. Love for each other and love for Mother Earth. Perhaps for many, these insights are buried deep beneath the layers of personal trauma, along with social and economic conditioning. This has left us detached, disassociated and cut off from our natural instincts. We have been told that only the powerful can save us from their ivory towers. As we sit in our homes across the world, we can use the opportunity to venture within, to sit with our deepest selves, to reconnect with our intuition and to allow ourselves to fully acknowledge where we are in our history as a species, to weep for our shared trauma, to honour our individual and collective suffering and to grieve for what we have lost as a result. If we are to heal, we must first be prepared to feel. Alongside our grief, we have an opportunity to welcome a new dawn for humanity, an age where we judge our success as a species not based on our economic output, but on our physical and emotional well-being, not based on the size of our house, but on how healthy we leave the environment for future generations, and not based upon power and wealth, but on the strength of our community and the understanding that when Mother Earth is in good health, we all are. Thanks for listening to the podcast and I'm looking forward to engaging with you again in the next few days. As I said, if anybody wants to come on the podcast, then please feel free to reach out. I'm hoping to get some guests lined up, but for now, it might just be my dulcet tones. Take care, look after yourselves, and I'll speak to you soon.